I think I've probably done more lesson studies, but informally than formal. When I was meeting with the fifth grade math teachers for PLCs, there were three of us. We would get together and especially during the fractions unit, we all came at it at different ways. And I'd say, okay, but how can we show it visually? How can we show it concretely? Today on this Where Are They Now Math Mentoring Moment, we speak with Laura Tomas from Palm Beach County in Florida. Laura's been teaching for 28 years, and she's an instructional coach for her school. Laura chats with us today about how she's applied the suggestions and learning from our conversation back on episode 46 of the podcast to help her teachers grow as math educators. Laura shares how she's implemented her plan, what struggles she's had along the way, and where she looks to go next as a math instructional coach. This is another Math Mentoring Moment episode where we talk with a member of the Math Moment Maker community who is working through struggles, and together we brainstorm possible next steps and strategies to overcome them. Let's hit it! Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce from TapIntoTeamMinds.com. And I'm John Orr from MrOr-IsAGeek.com. We are two math teachers who, together... With you, the community of math moment makers worldwide who want to build and deliver math lessons that spark curiosity... Fuel sense-making... And ignite teacher moves. John... Are you ready to dive into this Where Are They Now Math Mentoring Moment episode with our good friend, Laura? Of course, Kyle, of course. Now, before we get to our discussion with Laura, we want to let you know that if you're listening to this before September 25th, 2020, then you're cutting it close to joining us for our new PD offering on closing gaps with your grades 2 through 10 students. We've built a nine-module course called The Concept Holding Your Students Back. When students... Students struggle during tasks, it's often because of missed key learning opportunities, especially with your students who may have missed some key learning from the last school year due to COVID. In working with our own district and with our own students, we've narrowed down those gaps to struggles that exist in the area of proportional reasoning. In our new comprehensive PD course, we'll not only unfold the fundamental concepts for teaching proportional reasoning so you can close gaps with your students, we'll also show you and give you the lessons and resources to use in your classroom to make it all happen. If you're interested in learning more about registering, be sure to check out makemathmoments.com forward slash proportions. If you're listening after the fall 2020 registration close, which is September 25th, 2020, that's my wife Chantel's birthday, you can still head to makemathmoments.com forward slash proportions to join the waiting list in order to get notified for your next opportunity to participate. That link again is makemathmoments.com forward slash proportions. And now here's our chat with Laura. Hey there, Laura. Thanks again for being on the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. 
we chatted with you way back in episode 46, and we're super glad to have you back. Do us a favor and remind our audience, if they haven't listened to episode 46, now, if you haven't, listeners, listen to episode 46, do yourself a favor. and Hit that pause button. Yeah, get back <laughs> over there and listen to it. It is a good one. Laura, just remind our audience where you're from, what's your role in education, and what have you been up to since the last time we chatted like a year ago? I can't believe it was a year ago. And I remember it because it was so hot outside. And once again, it's still so hot outside. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I am <laughs> in Palm Beach County, Florida. And the heat index today is going to be 107 degrees. That's mm. it. God. The other day it was 111. I said, come on. Oh, boy. Yes. I am a math coach at one school. And I actually, during the pandemic, I got a new job for this upcoming school year. So I'm switching schools. So one thing I was able to do was pack up my entire classroom, rent a U-Haul truck and bring it all home to my house. So I have no dining room and I have half a living room right now. And I am purging, organizing, sorting. So when I go to my new school, maybe I can rent a smaller U-Haul to bring it all there. That's fantastic. I was wondering if you were just going to park it and leave it, but I guess that would be a pretty costly uh, opportunity or option. But there's always those storage containers. But you know what? I bet you the family is loving having all of that stuff just busting out of your dining room. I find the younger the grade, the more the classroom stuff that you have to bring home. So all those teachers out there who are switching schools or had to switch classrooms, but they couldn't set them up due to maybe the COVID situation. I'm sure they're at home feeling your pain there. Awesome stuff. We also heard from you, Laura, that you've got something else going on as well. Like when you say that what's been going on, not only do you have a new role, a new job, but you're also working on a little bit of a side project that folks who are listening to this show would probably be interested in it. Tell us more about it. Thank you. And did I say thank you for having me on again? I don't think I did. So thanks for having me back. I truly appreciate you guys and always listening to you you. and always learning from you. So one of my friends, Karina and I, we've been talking about this for about two years. We started our own podcast. It's called Learning Through Math. And you can find us on Twitter at Laura and Karina. We couldn't use at learning through math because it's just a couple characters too long, we discovered. But uh, we have learningthroughmath.com now, and we dropped it on Apple Podcast and Spotify and YouTube and our own website. Awesome. Give us a little snippet of it. You know, like tell yeah, us what it's about. I want to know the theme. What's it all about? What's the deal with it? So our mission, because, you know, I love to learn, is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion and hugs, because you know me, I'm all the big (laughs) huggers. So that's part of our mission statement. And it's killing me right now not to hug everybody. (laughs) Right. Definitely. uh, (laughs) You'd be going in withdrawals. (laughs) I am. I have been. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. So we'll definitely make sure that we put those links in the show notes so listeners can head over there and check out your podcast after listening to that podcast. So that's awesome. And congrats, because we know there's lots of work involved in making a podcast and the dedication is there. We talked about that before we hit record here and you're finding out firsthand what's involved in a podcast. And if you ever need a hand, just reach out. We can provide some tips along the way. So uh, thank you. congrats on that. Thank you. No problem. 
Last time you were here, Laura, on the podcast, we chatted about lots of different things. Uh, in particular, we chatted about you trying to instill this love of learning in teachers that you were working with. And you were thinking like, we are teachers. If we have to have this love of learning so that our kids can do it too. We chatted about some tips on helping teachers kind of switch their mindsets. We talked about a few resources and books that has helped Kyle and I as we've tried to switch teachers that we work with into a different mindset and help them grow. I'm I'm wondering, how are things going with you on those ideas and that last conversation? Fill us in on the details since the last year on your progress, and then we'll eventually get into talking about some next steps. I read the book Switch, which was one of the books that you guys had recommended. And there were three parts to that. One was direct the rider. The next one is motivate the elephant. And the third one is shape the path. And directing the rider really talks to the logical aspects about whatever you want to happen. Motivating the elephant is that emotional aspect. And then shaping the path is really making it super easy for somebody to do kind of what you want them to do so that the rider can motivate the elephant and eventually get to that path where you want them to be. So this year I focused mostly on shaping that path. I ended up in, I think it was November, wrote out what I called, quote, green sheets. And I asked the teachers to write two answers. It was a half a sheet. I put it in everybody's mailbox. I sent out an email and I said, just answer these two questions. One was, what specific goal do you have for this year to become better at? And then the second one was, how can I specifically help you achieve that goal? So, of course, the first round, I think I got two back by the first deadline that I set out of 22. Hey, but that's a start. Teachers make the worst students. That was. But then I sent out a a friendly reminder on the deadline day saying, hey, don't forget, I want your green sheets back before you leave today. So Monday comes and I give a shout out to the grade that got them all back to me first thinking, oh, maybe that'll motivate some other people to want to get theirs in. Then two days later, I sent a follow-up email to the people who I didn't get it from. And I said, by the way, I'm putting another green sheet in your box just in case you misplaced it. And then the next part was that they had to sign up on a Google Doc for a coaching session time with me. So throughout December and January, I want to say that, yay, I met with 12 out of 22 teachers that I had given the green sheet to and replied back to me. We got to have a coaching session one-on-one, except two of them wanted to meet together because they said they had the same struggle. So I said, no problem. And I gave very flexible times where I even said, we have to be there at 7.30 in the morning. So I said, if you want to meet me at 7, fine. And then our school day ends at 3 o'clock for the teachers. So I said, if you want a 3 to 3.30 slot, we can do that, which of course turned into about 4.15, which worked completely fine with me. So I tried to be as flexible I could with my time, knowing that they have limited time. That's awesome. What a great way to start getting people thinking about their own practice and what they might be interested in moving forward in. And we're wondering, like, what sort of responses did you get? Did you find that teachers answered both questions or did you find that maybe 
They lean to answer more one than the other. I'm picturing that second question maybe being a little bit harder, right? When we ask them, how can we actually help them achieve that goal? That's almost like, in a way, a bit of the path piece, right? Clearing the path. We're asking them, how can we help them clear the path? I wonder if maybe sometimes people struggle with identifying like what's actually in the way, which kind of lands on our shoulders in that coaching role, trying to figure out like what is in the way on that path. I'm curious, like, were there any themes and what sorts of problems of practice were people bringing up? It varied from soup to nuts. And I'm going to tell you that everybody came back with a specific way for me to help them. So I got them thinking. They all answered both questions, which I was like, yay, that was a fantastic start. So when I met with them one-on-one, some people said, I want to know more about this topic and it might have been a number sense routine or a way to infuse this thing, whatever that thing was, into their classroom, or they wanted me to come and model something for them, or they wanted more information about something. Some people just wanted to meet to vent because they know that I'm a good listener and I'm a vault. So whatever they say to me isn't going to go anywhere. And that's what some people needed. So I think it was everything. It was very open-ended. So I got all different kinds of responses. Some people wanted materials. They said, I need such and such. So when I met with them, I said, okay, where are you going to use this? And what do you need this for? Or they said something like, I want to do something about this. And I said, well, you need X, Y, and Z. So I said, I'm putting that on the list to order. (laughs) Right. Nice. You know, and I think this venting is, it's great that people had that outlet. Sometimes teachers, we vent a lot, but sometimes we do because we don't feel like there is any place to do that. And it sounds like allowing them or or giving them that time and space to do that gives them that opportunity for two things. They get to do that, but also you get to, or they get to, or sorry, you you get to uh, help identify the real challenge or the real problem. If you listen, and Kyle and I have tried to do this as often as we can here on the podcast, not to saying our people that we talk to are venting, but we try to listen and keep saying like, what else is a struggle that you're having? And this is from the book that we referenced here many times, the coaching habit, that idea of just keep prodding at them to say dig deeper can allow them to show what the real issue is. Where is the real help? And it sounds like you've done that very well. And I'm wondering, like uh, one of your big things before was about mindset and helping those teachers with adopting that mindset. How do you think things were going now about that mindset after your coaching sessions? Well, once people found out that I was leaving the school, (laughs) I got messages like, where, why are you going? What's going on? So I told them, look, I'm an email or a text away or a Google Meet because now that's what we do. So they know that no matter where I am, I'll still always have their back. So I think I inspired people to want to have that love of learning, which was one of my goals. That's fantastic. And do you find that that blue sheet request or activity that you had put out there, has it led to maybe stronger coaching relationships? And this might be, it could be across the staff where more people are reaching out and those relationships are strengthening, or maybe it's a handful of teachers that have kind of 
open their practice a little bit to this idea and maybe helping them to improve their mindset along the way. I'm curious, like, how do you feel that that specifically has impacted your role and your ability to kind of help coach along some of your colleagues? I think definitely those 12 people that I got to meet with, the one-on-one or two-to-one, they definitely got into that mindset space of there's something I want to change about my practice. So I figure, hey, if I reached just over half, that was really a good percentage, right? One other thing that I was able to do this year is the reading coach and myself sat down with the principal before the school year started and said, these three things are what we want our PLCs to look like. And one thing that we talked about was having knowledge of content, not just the content standards, but the actual content itself. So when we had PLCs, one thing that I made sure that we did was when we broke off into subject areas was when I had the math people, we would always start with our district's website, which has, my district has an amazing elementary math department. They're super. And part of the website is for teachers and it's called Blender. And that's where all the curriculum things sit on. So we would go to Blender and open up what they prepared, the critical information PowerPoint. And we would literally go step by step by step through that PowerPoint to say what is most critical in this unit. Then we would open up the assessment and say, okay, here's what the assessment looks like. And then we would look and explore the other resources that our curriculum people put on the website. Then we could always bring in, okay, here's the manipulatives, here's the drawings, here's the abstract. So I got to bring in CRA, the concrete representational abstract, almost every single time, which that's what helped build their capacity. Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here, and I've got just a quick message specifically for our district-level mathematics decision makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12? Setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. Nice. I love that. And just to be clear, Blender, is that like a, it's a learning platform, I believe, but just to be clear, like, so a place that your district puts all of the content and all of the PD, and then it sounds like at the school level, school level coaches like yourself are there to help take some of the messaging for consistency, but then also tailor it more to the needs of the staff in the building? 
Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I'm wishing the only negative of those types of platforms is that oftentimes you need a login. So it, it's just too bad. Probably uh, don't have the ability to kind of show off some of the great work that the math team at your district is able to share. But we'll definitely do a Google search and we'll see if we can find anything that's out on public facing. And I love that you're bringing in that concrete representational, that abstract. So really this idea of of concrete, starting concrete, and working towards abstraction. Fantastic. I'm wondering, can we start chatting a little bit about where do you find yourself at now? So back then, you had this a little bit of a challenge. We chatted about some of the things that we could do. I love that you actually followed through and read the book Switch. Definitely, every time we talk about it with someone, it brings back how much I want to go back and reread this book because it is so helpful. And I think, like you had said, clearing the path, I think, is so important. Oftentimes, teachers, what I find anyway, is, you know, when we think about directing the writer, that first part of the book, this rational side, it's like teachers, of course, want the best for their students. So like the rational sides in line, they're emotional about their students, their emotion motivating the elephant, like they want their students to do well. They love them. They want to see them succeed. So to me, it makes perfect sense that clearing the path is kind of the place that you've sort of nestled yourself, nestled your thinking and trying to think of like, how can I help educators in my building clear the path so they can do the things that they want to do for their students. So making it as easy as possible. And I really love the idea. I think I said blue sheets earlier, but it's a green sheet activity you had. I really love that as a way to kind of start that discussion. I'm wondering as you're picturing yourself, and I know in Florida, you folks go back to school earlier than John and I do. So you're starting to think of the school year ahead. What are you thinking about now? What are you currently working on, grappling with, reflecting on, and really trying to work on yourself? It's almost like we're green sheeting you here <laughs> right. and asking you about your specific goals so we can try to push you further as well. What's going on in your mind now? Assuming that we're going to not have a pandemic soon, I'm going to start at the beginning again with a brand new staff to me. So building relationships is definitely going to be part one. My new principal bought the leadership team, the book Get Better Faster by Paul Brambrick Santoyo. And we're doing a book study over it over the summer. So I'm diving into that. But the other book that I'm definitely going to pick up and read this summer is Daring to Lead. You guys had talked about that on our previous episode. And I did not get a chance to read it. But since I am one of those vulnerable people that I just put myself out there and see what happens, you had suggested reading that book to talk about the vulnerability aspect. So I'm going to pick up Dare to Lead and read that as soon as possible. Those are good resources, I think, that you're going to get a lot out of, especially I think we recommended Daring to Lead. I have not uh, read the other book that you referenced, Getting Better Faster, but Daring to Lead was instrumental in thinking about not necessarily leading a group of teachers like you are going to be or helping a group of teachers, but even just in the classroom, just realizing that in order for us to, say, lead appropriately, uh, 
lead with example is sometimes the way you, sometimes you think about it. We have to put ourselves out there. We have to be honest. We have to be ready to accept, ready to be vulnerable so that we can actually lead the people that who are under us or with us and so that they want to follow us. And I think it's, it's so important as leaders that we kind of listen to the messages that Brene Brown talks about in that book. So I'm glad that you're going to read that. I'm looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are on that book. What else is on your plate? What else are you struggling with right now that we can aid you or help you out in the next few minutes in this conversation? I think just continuing to figure out that million dollar question that I had, how do we get people to want to learn? And I think if we just keep leading by example, that's how it's going to happen. I get very passionate, enthusiastic about things. So once people hear, you know, oh my gosh, I listened to this podcast or I read this book and it really helped me because and give them that logical reasoning and then share how it worked with kids to give them that emotional aspect. And then, oh, here it is. I happen to have it with me. Would you like to borrow it? You know, (laughs) to to clear that path for them and say, hey, you want to discuss it? Let me know when you want to and we'll set up a Google Meet or something. Mm -hmm. I love to because you're saying... Leading by example, of course, I think walking the walk is so important and, you know, it kind of ties in nicely to the daring to lead and the big idea there with vulnerability and being vulnerable. I think that's one of the pieces that's hardest for everyone. It doesn't matter your personality type. It is hard to be vulnerable, especially when you're in a role where as much as people want to say, if you're a coach or you're a consultant or you're in a role where you're helping others, maybe it's an administrator or even a department chair or a department head, you are in this place where you almost as a human being put this extra weight on your shoulders, like you're supposed to have more answers than the rest of the group. And I think that's one of the pieces like I'm hearing in a little bit of that daring to lead book tying back, which is really important. And then also just sort of being there and walking the walk. And I'm wondering if we can dig into, I'm curious, like, do you ever have the opportunity to dive into classes and actually do some co-teaching? And I know you're saying leading by example. So maybe that looks like you leading a lesson or maybe it's a co-teaching scenario. Like, what does that look like when you get the opportunity to actually get in with a teacher and maybe a group of their learners? I forgot to tell you at the beginning of this episode that this school year, I was actually not only a coach, but a fifth grade math teacher of record because we have these advanced classes and I'm putting air quotes around there. We had a group of students in fifth grade and in fourth grade that needed a math home. So I said, I'll take the fifth graders Somebody else got the fourth graders. So I had 14 of my own fifth graders this year every day, which was fantastic because all the stuff that I've been talking about for a few years, I got to put into practice with my fifth graders. There was also a time when I was not in town. I was actually doing math recovery training. And one of my coworkers who also taught fifth grade math absorbed my 14 into his room. So now we have almost 40. By the way, when he was out, I took his class. So it all worked out. And 
my kids, when they came back from that other class, would say, wow, they don't do things the way we do things. Or I'd walk into their room and say, okay, here's what we're doing. And the kids that I normally didn't see were like, what is this all about? So I got to actually experience it with 14 fifth graders this year. Nice. I think diving in and getting your, I guess, your feet dirty or, or your hands yes. dirty, I, I guess is the <laughs> phrase. I don't know if your feet dirty. Uh, <laughs> not wearing feet, for sure. Yeah, I'm is, diving uh, in the deep end. I'm not getting my feet wet, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm blending all those metaphors. So. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it sounds, you probably learned a lot, you know, and I was talking with a, a friend of mine who was a consultant in our district. He was our consultant for 15, 20 years. And then he went back to the classroom and he was scared. He was nervous because he'd been talking about all these different strategies to use with uh, ninth graders and for years. And that was like where he specialized to help us like me become a better teacher. And then he had to go back and do it. And he was super scared and he got to experience it again. And I think he really appreciated getting back to have a, a touch point with students and put into practice some of the things and seeing where the loopholes were or where we needed to tighten up things when uh, he had to talk to teachers. So uh, I think he really appreciated it. it. Sounds like you did too. And you learned a lot about some of the things that we've talked about and some of the things that you've been talking about for years, but with teachers, what would you say is probably the going back to the classroom is say the biggest lesson you learned in that experience? Hey there, math moment makers. Are you a dedicated listener? Like I'm talking, have you been listening for a couple of months, maybe even a couple of years? Well, if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, it would mean so much to us. It'll take you under one minute uh, so that you can help more educators see and experience the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. Uh, do us this huge solid. Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, here is today's episode. I'd have to say that it confirmed my thought process of how grades are ridiculous. We don't do A, B, C, D, F in elementary school here. We have a standards-based report card, but the parents and the kids want to see them have the highest mark on the report card. Yeah, I would say dealing with progress reports and report cards, again, that's something that I appreciate the teachers that take the time to dive into the standards and mark appropriately, you know, instead of just saying, oh, they're all proficient or no, they're all approaching or, or whatnot. Which has to do with like knowing your student and knowing like what they can and can't do. And I think sometimes teachers slap a number on things or a mark on things because they think generally or they're looking at a test with one piece of assessment or uh, saying like, hey, here's my one test they did over course when they didn't actually factor into all the conversations they had or the observations from working with the students on a regular basis. We tend to think that the test or the quiz is be all take all, whereas we can use our professional judgment to give them feedback, give them the assessment, which is feedback, right? Like writing a number on a piece of paper with comments on a report card sounds so evaluative, but if it's not the final report card, then it's still a piece of feedback that we want to try to push our kids learning forward. So yeah, lots to learn it's there. Re-educating the parents, again, how to take report cards, not as, I wish we could just use got it and not yet. That would solve so many problems. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's a, especially from a report card standard or a report card perspective, since there's such a mindset, we're so fixated on like, well, that's the grade no matter what. A few things are coming to mind here because now that you're in the classroom and you're doing some of those things, I think it in some ways, like, first of all, it's great because you're in the classroom, you're walking the walk in your own classroom. But then on the other hand, it can also make it a little bit more challenging from like a mentor role. Like when you're trying to be in that mentorship role, that coaching type role, and you're trying to work with educators and trying to help as a group kind of all move forward, that could be tough. And what popped into our minds just now is episode 30, we had an opportunity to chat about the most, what they called anyway, our two guests called the most effective PD that you're not doing. And it was our friends who joined us, Jedediah Butler and Gabrielle Maya, who came on the show and they shared their approach to lesson study. And the one thing that I really like about it, and the, the reason I'm dropping it here, not just for you to consider, but also for everyone else who's wondering, like, how do I get in there and co-plan and co-teach? Maybe I have like a part-time coaching role and I only have one period a day available and all of my colleagues are doing mathematics in other periods of the day. How is it possible that I can do some more meaningful learning and doing some of this co-teaching, whether it's changing your schedules around and actually doing some lesson study. I found that some of my best learning is when I have an opportunity to sit down with educators and kind of tackle something, especially when it's a topic that I'm not super comfortable with. And it comes back to that vulnerability piece. And for me, that is such a big eye opener, I suppose, because it was really easy for me to go and model a lesson, for example, that I was really confident in. But what's not comfortable at all is when we have to do something and do it with other educators, which means having that risk of failing in front of another adult. Like it's hard enough when we try something and we sort of, you know, our lesson flops. John and I always talk about lesson flops. You flop in front of the students. Nobody likes that. <laughs> but it's even harder when you're doing it with your colleagues. But I find like when you get a good, solid lesson flop in with your colleagues, it's like you right there have now totally achieved the vulnerability right. badge. And I think it builds so much trust to kind of help that mindset piece that you were talking about shift forward, but then also to build on essentially those trusting coaching relationships. And then it's almost like the mentee becomes a bit of the mentor at times as well, which I think is really important so that we have that relational trust going on. So that's something that kind of comes to mind for me. I'm wondering, what are your thoughts as you move forward and you're going to be doing some teaching and your role, maybe it's not going to look the same as maybe it once did where maybe you were in a full-time coaching role and or having more time to coach with your colleagues. Like, What does that look like, sound like to you? Well, as you were talking about lesson study, I was thinking, I think I've probably done more lesson studies, but informally than formal. When I was meeting with the fifth grade math teachers for PLCs, there were three of us. We would get together and especially during the fractions unit, that woo, that was one of our favorite ones because we all came at it at different ways. And I'd say, okay, but how can we show it visually? How can we show it concretely, because the way that the three of us were thinking about it abstractly were actually different from each other. 
kind of like we would end up doing number talks, right? And <laughs> and say, oh, we all got the same answer. How did you get there? So I was able to bring in the fraction strips or bars or whatnot and say, okay, how can we model this physically and how can we model it visually? So that way I brought them into the CRA. So I think I've probably done so many lesson studies without calling it a lesson study. True. Yeah. I think you're doing a lot to help the teachers that you're working with by bringing them ideas and also kind of coaching them along and taking lessons that you've learned in the classroom and bringing them to those interactions with those teachers. And I think in your new role at your new school, you'll keep doing all of that. That's evidently clear from the conversations we're having now. I'm wondering right now, Laura, in the conversations we've had here today, but also stretching back to our one from a year ago, what's a big takeaway that you've had in the conversations, but also maybe just a big takeaway you've learned in the last year? I think the biggest takeaway is to just keep the door open for friends and family and anybody, the general population to just keep learning. I've done a lot of parent book clubs. And this year, I took Hillary and Matthew's book, Adding Parents to the Equation. And I started a book club for parents in January. There were three of us the first time, six of us the next time, nine of us the following time, and then the pandemic hit. So I think we would have had a little more, but the parents were so open and appreciative to learn all the new strategies that we're teaching kids, and they got to see it in a new way. So I think just keeping my mind open, my heart open, my ears open to have people know they can come to me as a resource. And if I don't know it, I'll be the first one to say, I have no idea, but I will sit right down next to you and figure it out with you. I think that that's such a huge takeaway. And you had also mentioned going back to the lesson study, you know, lesson study, sometimes we formalize processes or procedures or structures in education. And sometimes by formalizing or over formalizing, it can sometimes get in the way. So I really like how you've sort of said it's like, you've been doing it, but maybe haven't been calling it that way. Something else that kind of pops into my mind as well is just this idea of, to continue this work on and focusing on clearing that path, you had mentioned that on those green sheets, a lot of people or some people you had said got together. It was almost like they knew that you were a great person to vent with. And I think that's really connected to the work that you're currently working on. Like when someone comes and vents, that means that there is a challenge. There's a problem there, but maybe they're having a hard time articulating it, right? Usually when we're venting, we're venting about a problem that we sort of wish would just go away. And by kind of focusing in on clearing that path and constantly thinking about what we can do to help them, I think you're going to continue doing great work in your school and probably beyond by focusing in on like what is in the way of each and every educator's path, be it mathematics or be it something else in their teaching day. That's the big takeaway I'm taking from this conversation. And it sounds like you've got many more paths that you're setting yourself up to help 
help clear. And the best part is, is clearing the path. It really is the educator themselves who are going to clear it. You're just helping them to identify it. And you're just helping them a little bit with the planning and the actual job of moving that out of the way. And so I'm really liking that. I feel really positive for how things have come for you over this past year and hopefully into the future. We appreciate you helping uh, add a few books to our list. We've got one to add to our list. We will include all the books you mentioned, but Get Better Faster is going to be one that I add to my list. And we'll also include links to Daring to Lead as well as Adding Parents to the Equation. So we'll have those in there. So before we wrap up here, I'm wondering, can you remind the math moment makers, where can they reach out to Laura to get connected? Maybe maybe it's for a hug or <laughs> maybe it's for some math collaboration. Where can they get in touch with you, Laura? The easiest place would be on Twitter and I'm at I teach the Y, W-H-Y. Awesome stuff. So we'll throw that in the show notes. Plus, we'll put links to your podcast in the show Thank notes. We're you. excited to listen to that. And if you're listening to this one, get over there and have a listen to Laura over on her podcast. So we'll throw that in there. But thanks, Laura, for joining us here on this episode. And we wish all the best in your upcoming school year. Thank you, you guys as well. And once again, thank you not only for having me on your podcast, but for continuing to put out these podcasts. They're so beneficial. Oh, thanks so uh, much. Thanks so much there, Laura. We wish you all the best, and I'm sure we will be staying in touch. So we'll talk to you soon and have an awesome rest of your day. You too. As always, both John and I learn so much from these Math Mentoring Moment episodes, and it's great to check in with our friend Laura. But in order to ensure that we hang on to all of this new learning, we must reflect on what we've learned. An excellent way to ensure this new learning sticks is to reflect and create a plan for yourself to take action on something that stuck with you here today. A great way to hold yourself accountable is to write it down, or even better, share with someone, your partner, a colleague, a math moment maker, community member, or by sh commenting on the show notes page, or hey, tag us on Twitter, or Facebook, or Instagram, or in all those social media places, or in our free private Facebook group, Math Moment Makers, K to 12. And before you go, remember that we have our registration now open for the concept holding your students back, unlocking key understandings and proportional relationships to reach every student. Our nine module comprehensive PD course will not only unpack the fundamental concepts for teaching proportional reasoning throughout, and this is like actually K through grade 10, so that you can close gaps with your students, we'll also show you and give you the lessons and resources to use in your classroom that can help you make it all happen. If you're interested in learning more about registering, be sure to check out makemathmoments.com forward slash proportions. If you're listening after the fall 2020 registration close, you can still head to makemathmoments.com forward slash proportions to join the waiting list in order to get notified of your next opportunity to participate. And if you are interested in joining us for an upcoming Math Mentoring Moment episode where you can share a big math class struggle, be sure to apply over at makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor. Again, that's makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor. In order to ensure you don't miss out on new episodes as they come out each Monday morning, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Show notes and links to resources from this episode can be found at makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 93. Ooh, Holy 93. smokes, I can't believe. Yes, seven away from 100. Again, 
makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 93 will get you all of those resources and even transcripts for this episode. Well, until next time, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And a big high five for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle, walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook after completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.